0: to another episode of Alliance Pride, episode number 10 of season number two. Uh, if you would ask me this six months ago that I was going to come back and do this, uh, I would have probably be saying, I don't know. But the fact that I've been doing this and with everything that's been going on this year of 2020, uh, this needed to happen. This is something that actually um, needed to happen in terms of like the people that I've been interviewed, I would say, sitting down and having a sit-down conversation with them, and getting to know them and a little bit more into detail has been a pleasure. It's been an honor, and it's just, I can't believe I'm doing it. And really, guys, and I, I hope that you guys are also having as much fun as I am. In right, today's episode, I get to sit down with my friend Carlos and uh, AKA Babalos, he's one gr- well known coach in the fitness industry, but he is just more than a coach. And that's what I've learned that today. And it's amazing uh, listening to him and, and, and based on his experiences and what he does outside the fitness world is just really uh, jaw dropping because I, I was not, I never really, you know, I never really got to know that side of him uh, until, you know, until that sit down. So I really hope that you guys uh, get the same feeling. You get to really know his resilience in terms of a lot of things that's been going on with a lot of changes, COVID, just really the systematic system, racism, and so on, and everything. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode, you get to learn something. If you guys have any questions on this, you are more than welcome to just email me at unleashfit@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and I will... Uh, send that over because we are going to be doing a Q&A, I would say, probably towards the end of the season with all, all, and I mean all, the season two guests. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and I'll see you guys next week. What is up, you beautiful creatures? Thank you, and welcome to another episode of uh, Lions Pride. And today... I have a special guest. Well, everybody's special in my, in my podcast. I, I get to learn so, so, from so many people, so many coaches. Uh, and actually, I get to become a better coach because of that. Uh, one of the coaches that I met, and I literally, I think, we came up with the idea. I was like, let's do a podcast like six months <laughs> ago. and uh, Probably just, like,
1: like nine months ago.
0: Nine months it's ago. I was while. like, yeah, 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 I'll see you Monday. Yeah. And, and it's just like scheduling part. And you know what? And I think that that's been the hardest part with uh, trainers with coaches you know because you know my schedule is like yeah i'm open during like midday and we're always busy at night we're always busy in the morning because those are the mm-hmm. times that we mostly work so it's it's really uh interesting how much we we have to coordinate with time because it's uh, our schedule is very open right mm-hmm. because we have clientele's in different hours in different places so it's been it's been a rough ride but once I have that yes, I'm like, okay, We're
2: I'll here. make it happen. So uh,
0: my guest today is Carlos Davila. Am I saying it right? Davila? Yeah. Davila. Okay. So now, but on your Instagram, you're known as Babalos. Babalos. So is the there a story A-B-A-L-S. behind LS. it?
1: Um, so Baba is essentially, uh, so I started my IG uh, essentially to like share stuff about my kids. Um, So Baba is just what my kids call me. It's sort of the Zulu South African version of that.
2: Um,
1: So because my original page was supposed to be for sharing before, you know, I became a fit pro or became a fit pro at the level that I'm a fit pro now. And it became part of my job to kind of be on social media. So that's where the Baba and the Loat kind of came together and it's, kind of taking on a life of its own which has been kind
0: of interesting yeah and it's and it's so interesting how we differentiate our names through instagram like people mm-hmm. don't don't approach me i saying like hey what's up a they they're like either lion or unleash fit and i'm like mm-hmm. no that's my that's my brand but the, i get it like I, I get it like that's what we are known for uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like you know id ourselves in uh the social media they carry that away. Uh, It's something interesting that you just spoke about right now. And the idea of of this podcast, usually I bring people in, it is your first time here. So for the new listeners, uh, not new listeners, but listeners listening to you for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, Tell me a little bit about yourself, really, like where where all this began. And really, did you really want to become a trainer from the beginning? Mm-hmm. So.
1: so I've I've been called verbose, so I'm gonna try to keep this as uh as succinct as possible. So Carlos Davila um was born in Puerto Rico, uh, moved to New York when I was like four or five, lived in the Bronx um, for most of my childhood, um, and then eventually like moved to Brooklyn. Um, kind of went back and forth between Brooklyn and Harlem for a little while, and have been in Brooklyn and um, Bushwick now um, for two years now. Um, started with fitness uh, around undergrad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and at first it was, it was essentially like for, which I think for a lot of us, it, it starts off as a side hustle. It's the, the, it's is easy way to make money while I'm doing like my main gig, right? There are so many fit pros that I know that like fitness was sort of this side hustle that took on a life of its own. Um, so started my fitness career at New York sports club, which a lot of people have, um, oh, yeah. and no. honestly have been in my, oh, I'm going to date myself in my damn near 20 years now. In fitness has been through like every pause, like the New York sports club, the corporate gyms, the, the YMCA's, the, the Crossfits, the, the, all of that. Um, and, you know, luckily landed in one of the, um, kind of higher tiered um, hit studios in the city fan room Kind have been there for five years um, but at the same time that I was doing all that uh, fitness stuff I was also um, getting my degree in psychology um, and I always say forced because at the time that's what it felt like but forced to teach um, because I'm a very And people that that are listening that know me are going to argue with me about this. But I'm a very introverted person. Even though I'm always in extroverted spaces, like I'm in front of a studio teaching 30, 40 people. I'm in front of a classroom teaching 50 people. But I still consider myself an introvert. And at that time, when I first started teaching, it was even worse. Um, But my advisor at the time, um, uh, rest in peace, um, she unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. She saw something in me that I didn't know was there she literally forced me as part of like my uh my apprenticeship with her at the time she forced me to teach she was like you're gonna go teach this class for me okay cool and i've been teaching ever since um been an adjunct professor at john jay for i don't even know how long i've been there um then you're a
0: professor in john jay
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've been an wow. adjunct professor there, yeah, for uh, like 15, 16 years at this point. Um, and then about five years ago, um, right around the time that I started working at Fitting Room, I also felt like there was, there was a fitness part of me that was this huge part of my life. There was a psych professor part of me that was this huge part of my life, but they always felt separate, right? So then five years ago, I found out about sports psychology, which I knew about like briefly, but never really thought about it. So I'm looking for different, different like things to teach because I was getting tired of teaching intro to psych. Mm-hmm. And I had an old colleague from Ashley, one of the corporate gyms that I worked at, and this is how all of this stuff kind of comes together. She was at LIU. She was doing mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff and their, um, their health sciences program, she was like, we have an opening for a sports psychology um, adjunct. I don't know what this is. So I started doing my research, started looking it up and realized that a lot of the, the stuff that, that sports psychology teaches as far as like engagement and motivation and helping people with exercise adherence and essentially getting athletes out of their own head was stuff that I was kind of doing with my clients, right? Like with therapists, whether, whether, do you guys want to see it that way or not? Like, a, let, me, let me take that back, sorry. A good trainer should <laughs> also be considered, because you know, you know. Yeah, one, uh, hey, listen, I, I any, feel you in that one. As with any field, there's, there's, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I
0: completely agree with you. I, I, and I've seen it, and I'm no psychologist, but I, I, I perceive my personality towards how to react with people, you know, because you got to feel like, Everybody's a yes. tra- anybody can be a trainer. That's, that's literally what I can tell everybody. This is how you direct yourself towards people that is what's going to be attracted to you.
2: So- and
1: understanding that like, you, can't, like, you can't be the same person, right? Like I can't be, there are certain clients that I'm like, I know that you want me to yell at you. That's not my thing, but I got you. That's what you need. I got you. There are some people that I trained that literally it is 85% of us talking about their day. While they're doing some stuff, like to the point where I'm like, you know, you got another set, right? Like we've been talking about, like, <laughs> can we like do a little workout? You
0: gotta avoid and, questions we... with them, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's 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 one of those things that I started to realize that I already I already had I already had the skill set because I was practicing it before I knew like the language of it or exactly how to how to kind of put it in a way that made sense with what I was saying as sports psychology. So got the job um, to teach sports psychology um, and then actually because of my background I was able to start teaching graduate courses which for me felt like am I supposed like am I supposed to even be here um, and then realized that like for me I actually enjoy teaching graduate courses more because it's it's more of a genuine discourse like it's more fun for me when I'm not kind of spoon feeding you stuff, which, you know, most of the people that I taught in my undergrad classes were freshmen or incoming freshmen. So it was very, I'm feeding you some stuff. But also, I like that because I'm, I'm at that age where I understand social media. I use social media for everything. I understand the iPhone kind of life. But I'm also old enough that I remember having to do this. To make sure that you made a call and yeah. god forbid that you miss it because you got to do that whole thing again not having to actually like go to a library and like look through these cards to figure out where my book was and like not just get it on my phone so i kind of feel like i think the reason why because there have been times where i've been really frustrated with teaching the freshmen because freshmen are freshmen right. but i think for me i i get more out of it because i feel like i can be I can be this guide almost, and I I treat a lot of my freshman classes not just as a psychology class, but also as a, this is how you should think about your college experience type of class, whereas with the graduate courses, it's, you should kind of know some of this stuff, so I can kind of play around with it a little bit more, and I, I almost have a little bit more fun because I can be a little bit more creative with how I engage in that particular space. So in those five or so years um, that I started diving into the world of sports psychology, I also started to, and and it's not something that I hadn't noticed before, but I started to pay a little bit more attention. And part of it is due to um, someone that I started working with when I started at LIU, which is Dr. Elijah Carter. I started to realize that I was feeling something about the wellness space and I didn't know what it was. Like something felt... Weird to me, right? Mm-hmm. And I start reading all this stuff about like microaggressions and safe spaces, right, um within the the sport psychology literature, and and started to do my own research and did a bunch of focus groups and and panel discussions and actually have. It's funny because as I'm talking to you, I'm looking up and I see the book that I have a chapter in, <laughs> which is funny because I was about to say that. Um, you know, I got asked to par- be a part of this. Uh, book on feminist applied sports psychology and did a chapter on that talking about, wow. you know, safe spaces and how um, when you look at, say, a CrossFit, which we know what's happening with that right now, oh, yeah. um, and even some hit spaces where that intersectionality of, like, race and gender, right? Because I was being very specific talking about, like, women of color. Um, right. You don't see a lot of women of color in those spaces, and it was trying to sort of unpack why. So that's that's been something that's been... Kind of in the back of my head, and I've been doing research about it. And it's so funny, you know, since I brought up the whole CrossFit thing, how that all played out, right? Because go back to last week, that entire week, you know, you had a lot of people in the community like, all right, guys, like it's been a couple of weeks now, like CrossFit isn't saying anything. So at that point, it was about CrossFit not saying anything, CrossFit being silent, right? Then I want to say that that Saturday, this would mm-hmm. have been last Saturday. Um, Someone had created this George Floyd workout, which was a difficult, like really tough workout. Oh wait, Um, it um, was like an 800 meter run and then 25 and 25 of a couple of movements with like burpees and stuff. It was. It took me like almost an hour to finish it. It was. It was a. It was a tough workout. But as I'm doing the workout, I had a moment where I was thinking about about CrossFit as an entity because the workout was a very CrossFit kind of workout and CrossFit you know I, I was going to post something about you know CrossFit is being quiet but you know this is why I love CrossFit because it's workout then as I'm running and doing the work that I thought about I was like this is not about CrossFit like and I said I, I posted a video that Saturday just talking about how the workout made me feel and also about how fitness is bigger than this this title I, I jokingly kind of said like CrossFit is nothing but a fitness colonizer because all they're doing is taking all these d- different things that already existed: Olympic lifting, strength training, HIT training, gymnastics, endurance. All the other, all the stuff existed. They did an amazing job of bringing that all together and creatively combining them in a way that made sense. It was challenging, but at the end of the day, like this stuff already existed, and I said on that like this is about community. Like CrossFit has always been about community, right? And that's one of the reasons why even from jump, right? Because I've had experiences with feeling like the other in CrossFit spaces for years. Hmm. Before, when I was a part of CrossFit Harlem, slash Vitality, um, when I was at other gyms, I've always felt, even when I travel, I'm usually the only person of color that's in a box. But it didn't matter. Like it was something that I didn't really notice till maybe after the workout because I've never, and I am mean, I'm, I'm very selective with my <laughs> words on so making sure that when I say never, I mean never. Um, but I've never in a workout, because I have another example that doesn't, that doesn't fall into the more general category of being in cross spaces, but I've never in a workout been like, Oh, it's racist is fucking here, right? Because that same person that you're like competing against in that workout, if you beat them, you are right there next to that person, pushing them along. You're not sitting there like, "Yeah, I got you, bitch." Like right. you're you're <laughs> pushing that person, right? And yeah. for me, experiencing that early on, I was like, "You know what? This is." And it's funny, my boy Sin said this um, a couple of weeks ago. It was like, "This wasn't about about politics. This wasn't about." race issues gender issues it was about those five those 12 those 15 minutes that you're just pushing and and trying to 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 beat everybody but also supporting everybody like that for me was what cost it always was so i I essentially said all that on this post on saturday between saturday and sunday glassman's comment came out and everything went oh my god No, when,
0: when i saw that i was like dude come like there's a difference of like posting something like that, like the day that happened or whatever, right? Because you don't, maybe you're unaware. I'm not taking his side. I think mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's a really delicate subject. I really, you know, like the past uh, podcast I did, um, you know, I, I'm also from a background that I'm Spanish. I'm like, you know, like kind of like, can slightly understand what people are going through and the emotions and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it, it was really um, watching your stories, watching your videos, mm-hmm. watching my friends' videos, and, and people. Um, it, it makes you understand like that. There's things like The, the platform of in, Instagram is like you're you're able to share so much, so much uh, advice or so much inspiration through it, and mm-hmm. to see someone of that category, you're a CEO. And there is no way you can tell me that you have no knowledge of social media and you know how effective it can be. And you do that. It's, 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 it comes down to like, it, it, it surpasses ignorance. I think it surpasses the fact that it's like, I just don't give a shit. And because I'm old or because I'm this or whatever. And actually your age should say more about it because you've been through so much more. You've like been, you experience so much more. You're not 20 you didn't, you know, you weren't born in early 90s or even early, like, you know, 2000s. You, you,
1: you didn't live in a world where you thought it was normal to have a black president, yeah. but that's you, not you. You've you,
0: you, you been through so much. And then, and then I was like, you got you to gotta post stuff, stuff like that. And you, and you know what, the backlash. I, uh, who, who started messaging where I started seeing things? Oh, Bo, Bo, he started posting mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, what? What about CrossFit? And then I started looking at it, CrossFit. And I was like. Oh, this is going to get dirty real fast. And then I got and
1: It got so dirty because then I think it wasn't just that, that initial the the Floyd 19 thing that he said, but then it was this like rush of like all these affiliate owners or people that were associated with CrossFit that started sharing communications that were happening between Greg and them. And the language that was being used and the lack of empathy and, and almost like attacking people for asking why aren't we saying anything I think it just the whole thing took on a life of its own and even now like I, I literally as I was getting coffee this morning was seeing that a lot of games athletes they have a whole movement now and it's I'm out yeah And you're having a ton of athletes like, you know what, I'm not doing the games. And when you really put that in perspective, and and I know, you know, if you follow me, you know that I've I've talked about like allyship and like what that should look like. And I'm constantly providing resources for that. For me, those athletes giving up the opportunity to make thousands of dollars, like that, that means that that holds a lot of weight for me right because there's a lot of athletes that are like we're going to wait and see what happens with the new regime um and i've 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 literally like those messages unfollow. unfollow unfollow like because if you're if you're waiting for dave castro or whoever and i mean look a lot of the people in CrossFit HQ are problematic, and you're you're hearing that now because a lot of as much as some people are excited about Castro taking over, there are also people that are like, well, he comes with his own set of problems too. And you know now videos are surfacing of him not addressing the kind of racial gap that you're seeing within within CrossFit. So I don't know that we should get that that excited about about that being. Um, the role that's being, or that being the person that's taking over that role, because at the end of the day, that doesn't, right now, doesn't feel like that's addressing the real issue. Right. You know, the, the level of engagement within Black and Brown communities um, with CrossFit. To give you a, a, an example, actually, that just popped into my head. So, CrossFit Outbreak, which is now BK Fit, because I think they'd be affiliated as well, right? They opened up a box in Bedside. This was. Two, three, like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember distinctly waiting for them to open and wanting to see who was opening the box. So this was literally around the corner for me at the time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was just two, um, two gentlemen, two white gentlemen. Um, and I knew them from, from CrossFit. Like, that's the thing about CrossFit. You're always like, where do I know you from? Was it a competition? Was it a cert? Right. So they knew me from afro and I was like, look, I, was like, I live right around the corner. I'll coach here for free. Like, I'll coach here for a membership. Just let me know when you need me to coach. But when people walk by this garage opening, they need to see someone that looks like them, right? right. Because CrossFit at that time, and still to a certain extent, was still considered a very predominantly white fitness space, right? That is so and funny They say that. you opening up in the middle of that side in the middle of that site. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'll do this for for a membership. I'll do whatever. And I purposely would work out with the gate open, like in the middle of the day there. Just because I wanted people as they were walking by to see not necessarily a familiar face because I I wasn't like, you know, I'm a relatively closed-in person. So I'm not like out in the neighborhood like,
2: hey, hey, hey.
1: But I wanted them to walk by and see a black and brown face in this space feeling comfortable in this space. And even even like even before the the COVID happened and everything got shut down, I'm living in Bushwick now. I still go to Best Side to work out. And mind you, they have a Bushwick location, but the Bushwick location doesn't feel the same. Right. Right? The Best Side location, dozens of black and brown faces. The coaches were black and brown. Like it just felt it felt like home, right? And I've known these people for three years now. So that for me is, that for me was like really indicative when I was like, you know what? No, I have to be here. Like I have to be in this space um, because I want the community to feel like this is a safe space because I know based on my own experiences and based on my research that it doesn't always feel that way, right? I remember the one time where I, I, left and never went back to a gym was at solace was that solace i used to, like oh you know, solace 20, uh, yes people, it, did it close yeah, down before,
0: or still open. i don't I,
1: I you know what it's one of those things that like people will like start talking about it and i'd literally be like i don't care yeah. i don't i i, could give I heard two, stuff
0: that i was like i, I mean could
1: give a third of a fuck about <laughs> about solace like and it was weird because solace as a as a is amazing. Like oh, yeah. if you're if you're a meathead, if you're a crossfitter, if you're any type of athlete, you walk into that space and it like the little heart eye emojis, like that's what I felt like when I would go there and like my whole crew would be there like Eric, Dennis, Matt, Julia, Avery when she was still in New York. Um we would all be in there having a great fucking time. But I always felt weird in there. And I couldn't figure it out. And I'm blanking on his name, but he was like the head of of programming there. He did all the programming and stuff, um and I didn't realize until after you know I had my issues that apparently like he's been problematic. but every time i would I would be there, like I would feel eyes on me, like right? I would feel this weird energy, and it got to the point where I think it was me and Matt um uh, Matt Forzag, we were doing a workout upstairs, and they were just being so fucking rude about us being in the upstairs space because they had like a photo shoot happening, but the photo shoot was like 45 minutes from when we were there and we would have been done with our workout. It was just weird. And me and Matt were both like, we're never coming to this place. And that was the last time we were there. So that's one of the few situations where it's been blatant, but even early on in my CrossFit career, um, when I was with Afro Brutality, I mean, I'm still, tech, I'm always with Afro Brutality, but, um, there was a, we would, we would go to these competitions and, you know, wear these athletic, proud to be black and brown, you know, group of people coming to these new spaces, right? Because we were new to CrossFit. Cindy right. didn't even tell us we were doing CrossFit until six months after we were working out. He would act like he created these workouts and we'd come to the gym at like 5.30 in the morning um and he'd have all these workouts and after a while we we're like wait where are you getting these workouts from and he would tell us about main site because at that point we were doing main site workouts and we would go to these competitions and because most of us were inherently athletic like we would do pretty well i think the first competition we did was um Pike on bad it was like okay. on bad at at south brooklyn at the time um and we did pretty well. I think we came in like second or third in that competition. And then we would start doing all these other competitions. And word started getting around that people weren't happy with us coming to these competitions. Whoa. Right? Word got around that it was like, oh, fuck, here's the Afributality people again, right? Because we started to get cool with all these people at these competitions, right? And you would see people at a competition and, you know, it'd be the the kind of fun shit talking before the competition. Once the competition started, you know, everything got serious. But as soon as it was done, everybody was cool. Yeah. I remember going up to to regionals in um, in Albany as a team. That was like a fitness like picnic, right? Because you'd have the competition and then literally everybody'd be like catching up from yeah. like the last competition you saw them, right? So, all of these things created this this amazing space. But there was always that feeling in the back of my head that, like it doesn't always feel like this is this is really for us. Like we're in the space. Um, but a lot of of concerns or issues within black and brown communities like it never really spent any sort of time addressing. and because they didn't have to. Like, they were good. They got the Reebok sponsorship. They got Rogue. They have all this, right? So, they, I guess they felt they didn't have to engage in the community. Now, the community is, is crying out. And now, all these sponsors are leaving because they realize that your your stance isn't really for this group of people. And, not and even that, if I you think, really it's, think about it, it never really has been.
0: And it's not smart to stay. I wouldn't – as a business, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even – no, there's, you're, 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 you're destroying your own legacy if you stay. And, and th- that's the thing with companies when they make mistakes like that. It's really hard to come back and be like, hey, you this know what? You, made, you, you made a mistake. You made a mistake. It's okay. That. No. It's like, mist- you literally – so to piggyback that – I never was a CrossFitter. I actually destroyed my shoulder when I thought that I was a CrossFitter. <laughs> and, um, and I learned my lesson then, obviously, because I have a bodybuilding background. So for me, it was more of like, I go to the gym, lift heavy weights, go home. Look, mm-hmm. Jack, that's it, right? So like, I grew up in the 80s that way. You know, Arnold, you know, bodybuilding was like my thing. And when CrossFit started, uh, I was in New York Sports Club. People would talk about CrossFits, the watts, workout, you know, workouts of days and everything. I still really wasn't really prepared for it. And now, mm-hmm. when you're a trainer, so there's a difference of being a coach and just being like a person that goes to the gym. You do your workout, you do, you, you do your own thing. You want to be a bodybuilder, be a bodybuilder. You want to be, you know, CrossFit, be a CrossFit. You can do whatever you want. When you're a trainer, uh, you – technically have to have a a little bit of knowledge of every single phase i'm not saying to become a you become a master of something right Mm -hmm. like for me it's strength and conditioning but i know a little bit of crossfit i know like the science behind it and the the, the reason is that is because you can't just be close-minded in that in that field uh you have to be able to it's like having a, it's like having a doctor, like a doctor, they, they have a little bit of knowledge of everything, but they're known for something else. So exactly. uh, as I was growing up and uh, really kind of like introducing my own self into the fitness industry, because it was something that I didn't want to do. Like, I didn't want to just become a coach. I was like, I wasn't, having that mentality of like, yeah, let me study psychology or let me study this. I was just more like, I just want to get paid and I just want my free membership, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's about it. Having that mentality made me very close-minded. So I had a coach who got his first certification of CrossFit. He was Spanish. His name is George. I don't know if you ever met. He's still in the Sports Club, I think, which I'm like, wow. Uh, but <laughs> And really, I got introduced in my best friend, Eric, became a CrossFit also, too. And he, he's dark skinned, he's black, he's, you know, like, and, and, and for him to do and tell me like, you should do it, you should do it. I was just never introduced and, but he never pursued CrossFit like the way, even though he got his certification, he just saw it as a, as a, as a platformer to, to be able to have more clientele, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, with the fitness industry, sometimes when something becomes a trend, people clients want to learn that. They want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. They want to. So if you don't know anything about it, you kind of like are also losing clientele that way, but moving forward towards that and becoming more part of understanding what the fitness industry, I will say this, and it's funny enough. I, in the past 10 years and within this regarding the past two years that I've been introduced to the Rone events and the fit like a whole nother world of fitness community Mm -hmm. i had one friend who was white as a trainer every Mm -hmm. single my friends were very spanish black so i was part of that community where i felt comfortable in that community Mm -hmm. and it was i've learned so much more because i learned to hustle i learned the respect i learned like and i'm really thankful for that uh, because I was thankful enough that my 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 best friend introduced me into that into that world of understanding fitness differently, uh, mm-hmm. not seeing by like you know and, and 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 going into like becoming more like I started working in Upper East Side and you can see the demographic change because the city is demographically it changes. If you go to like Canal Street, you know that there's a certain type of people there that you consistently see. Then you go to Upper West Side compared to the Upper East Side two there's different a, worlds
1: not to cut you off but there's a very interesting if we really think about like new york as like a segregation, segregationist i don't know if that's how that word goes but we're gonna go with it <laughs> like the fact that like when you say upper east side we know exactly what what group of people you're talking yep. about right when we say like different neighborhoods so like whenever i hear that i'm always i'm always interested in like what those statistics actually look like, and like where those pockets actually the mood are.
0: changes. The mood changes. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I mean, I I went from like so. I used to live in Chelsea, and uh, when I was living in Chelsea, I would go to Upper East Side, and I felt uncomfortable. And I, listen, I am not like I'm Spanish and everything, but I sensed the uncomfortable coming into getting off Upper East Side and just seeing a different type of mood, a different type of personality, people, people looking at you differently. Like you're not from there. Why like, here? Yeah. And I'm like, and I felt that because I swear to God, I went back to, because I had a client in Upper East Side. And it was the first time I, I experienced it. I came back and I talked to my roommate. My roommate, I, my roommate is when he told me, it's like, yeah, Upper East Side, Upper East Side. It's like, you're going to feel that way. And it was like me in my first year living in the city where I was understanding that. And it just feel awkward. I mean, this is my personal. obviously I didn't go and be like, oh my God, I feel so awkward. But then I had another client on 116th street, Upper East Side. Well, I think is it that Bronx, entering Bronx? I don't know, or, I don't know stuff like that, but 116th street, huge difference.
1: That's Harlem, that's technically Harlem. Like
0: Harlem, right? Huge difference, but Huge difference in terms of, like, I felt comfortable. I was getting around like, oh, what's up, All tacos here? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, I felt like I was comfortable. But then when I went to 86th Street, I'm like, I feel like, the, yeah. I, I big like the huge elephant in the room. And, um, and what I'm trying to say is, like, going back into your, into your thing, because you I feel like you use psychologies as a background. Like, you study a little bit more, like, personalities. You, you, you can see, and your expressions are more, uh, based obviously on the background that you have and everything uh, compared to like someone that doesn 't have that like i don't like i don 't think that way sometimes i 'm just driven by emotions right so sometimes it 's a little bit different because um, you know sometimes we just don 't know how to control that we don 't know how to control the the, the environment itself, and that 's a huge part of psychology of understanding and really listening and really really dissecting what 's going on in order for you to be able to be like okay, so this is what 's going on and yeah, um having or what's been going on with crossfit and, and everything and seeing the fitness industry change since covid started uh has been an eye opening for me because you start seeing things you start seeing true colors you start seeing changes because covid has pretty much almost broken down fitness community because fitness community is all about being together. It's all about being stronger mm-hmm. together. It's all about being in a room and working as a, as a, as a pride, what I call it, right. As a pride of lines, like as a, as a, as a group and not being able to do that and be separated that way, where we have to communicate virtually mm-hmm. is been a huge test in the fitness industry, I believe. And I see that oh, a lot.
2: Absolutely.
0: And then when all this happened. And then you see huge companies that you see them as leaderships, as platforms of leadership and they don't do shit. It's, it's a huge insult to the word community. And it's a huge insult to you. You just been a facade. You just been in this, you, you what the fuck were you doing here, bro? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I, were you here for the same reasons as us? And the thing is, like, now they got CrossFit's gotten so big that they deserve to be overtaken by us. Meaning, we don't need you anymore. And you can't. You, if I'm CrossFit, I'm like, well, we can't be mad at that. We created something that we have no control over right now.
1: And that's you know, my thing with CrossFit is like, it's again, it's it was so much more than just this title. You know what I mean, like. And, and to kind of go back to a point that you made and, you know, sort of what the fitness industry looks like, like, let's, let's take it back to January, right? And um, I don't know if you know Tony Vidal. Um, he's, he's in the health and wellness spaces. He has the, he's part of the Off the Strength uh, oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Okay, yeah, 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 yes, yes. So
1: Tony and I, funny, going back to uh, my psychology stuff, Tony was in my first ever uh, graduate sports psychology course.
0: Oh, that's crazy.
1: Like, the first year that I taught sports psychology, he was in my course. And it's funny because and, – and he knows that I'll say this. I think he's way smarter than I am. Like, Tony is a fucking genius. Like, Tony, if you're hearing this, like, you know how, <laughs> how <that> I feel <laughs> He's this pretty way. smart.
2: Yeah, he is. But I
1: spoke to him um, a while back, and he was already seeing a shift in the fitness industry, right, because it, it was going to burst it had to burst, right? And you started to see it. You started to see a couple of spin studios were, were starting to close, right? Because it was just too saturated, right? Same thing was going to start to happen with other spaces because it was just like, take Flatiron, for example, which is where I mostly work at in Fit Room. In like an eight block radius, there's at minimum 20 fitness spots.
2: That's right? insane. 20 though.
1: different... There's literally a Soul Cycle on 19th and a Soul Cycle on 17th. One's on this side of Fifth Avenue, one's on this side of Fifth Avenue. They're literally two blocks away from each other, right? And then you have like five other like spin studios in the area, right? So he already said that, or he already kind of of foresaw that that was there was going to be a shift there. Then you have COVID, right? Hmm. And all these places have to shut down, and a lot of these places were not built for being shut down right then we start to pivot towards this digital platform and some places were able to do it quickly some places it took a little bit longer to kind of get it figured out and they're starting to catch up now right that has a huge impact on, on the fitness industry right you have to furlough some people you have to let some people go because it made more sense so that they can get unemployment all of these things are happening within the fitness industry then you have the BLM movement starting to pick up, right? Because literally, what was it, like three weeks where it was like Ahmad, Breonna, and then yeah. George. Like I can't believe that, man. It's just, we I still just had a process. We still had a process. One thing, we're still talking about Run for Ahmad when Breonna gets shot, right? Then we're like, you know, oh my God. her name. We haven't gotten over that. And literally, I feel like it was in the same week when Breonna happened and George Floyd happened. I it think was, it, was it was four like
0: days later, broke. I think.
1: It was, yeah, it like, was close, right? Dude, so but now like, we have,
0: how crazy. We that?
1: have that huge movement, and we also get to the point where now we're like we're, we're talking about allies and we're talking about responsibility, and we're, we're in a space now because we're in quarantine, we're a lot more aware of what's going on. And everybody and their little cousin is on social media now. Now, everyone's on social media asking why is no one saying anything? Why are these big corporations not saying anything? And then fitness professionals are starting to speak up and say, why isn't the fitness industry talking about this more, right? So you start to see a couple of fitness spaces um, start to to communicate about it um, and and create the sense of solidarity and then CrossFit does what they did. And my thing is and I said this that Saturday before this went to shit. When it was still, they're not saying anything. Before it was like he's racist as fuck. He, you know, ended up stepping down. And were here you we are. were you like
0: were you like uh, when that happened? Were you like fuck? I called it.
1: <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like fuck. Why
0: do I have to be right about this shit?
1: It was. I mean, I wasn't expecting it to go to go <laughs> where it was. But it's funny when the comments came out someone had, like, it was a post about what he said, and someone had put, well, Babalo said it yesterday. It's just a fitness (laughs) colonizer. And I'm like, look, it's not about me.
2: Right. (laughs) I'm not
1: taking credit for this. But the part that for me, you know, when we're talking about about fitness, and I'm I'm now looking at it as a fitness professional, I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that I'm happy about CrossFit being in the space that it's in right now. Because for me, these are all small businesses. Every box is its own little small business, right? That had this tether to this big corporation, right? It had the name, right? So whenever you, you go into a town, you type in CrossFit, you get every CrossFit within, you know, whatever space. Now, as spaces are starting to, to de-affiliate, you're on your own to a certain extent, right? There isn't that... And not that it was really like a security blanket at the end of the day when you really think about it, but I think a lot of gym owners kind of saw it as I'm part of this bigger thing. Franchise. That's going to support me. Yeah, I'm part of a franchise, right? That's going to support me. That's not the case anymore. But
2: you so know now, what? That's good. So now these are
1: all, no, I, I do think it's good. I think it's also scary, right? Because you want to make sure that like, these spaces are still being because I, I, what I don't want to happen is for spaces that used to be CrossFit to be ostracized because they're now associated with being a CrossFit. And mind you, there are some spaces that have like come out immediately and been like, you know what, this is not what we're about, we're deaffiliating. But then there are also some that took their time a little bit. And then there are some that are like, we're going to wait and see. So now there's literally these like three tiers of, of, reactions within the CrossFit community. And my concern has always been just understanding how boxes work, like making sure that these are still seen as small businesses and we support these small businesses and also trying to figure out like how to create a community amongst these small businesses, even if we're not still across it, right? Because boxes in New York, and I don't know, I can only speak to my own experiences, have always felt like they had this weird like competition against one another
0: oh yeah i mean i mean it's listen fitness fitness overall is i i I, i'm smiling at you but i want to be better than you and exactly and, and and it's and it's healthy competition listen if people think oh i don't compete listen you have experienced some in some way and somehow in your life competition doesn't always have you to can't be fitness. Live in new
1: york and not be competitive you Hell are no,
0: you would not survive here you, you don't belong here then just go you're go, not go. gonna
1: get that seat on the train <laughs> you're not gonna get yeah. that job you're not gonna make that light you, high, you,
0: like. you gotta you gotta you gotta be layered up with failure to know competition because
1: oh i like that i'm stealing that I'm <laughs> you're stealing that earlier i love that you,
0: you 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 have to you have to like here, you don't get strong just because you look strong. You got to be mentally strong. And if you're not mentally strong, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how great you are. I don't care if you were born with with gifts that God has given you. If you don't have that mindset, that purpose that you want to be competitive, you're not gonna, it's not that you're not going to be successful, but you, you're pretty much saying, I'm this good and I'm expecting things. And sometimes, maybe maybe out of 1 million you get lucky and people see that way but that's 1 in a million and i've learned that here the hard way i have failed so many times in the fitness industry so many Absolutely. times i got i got like overtaken by people that were better than me uh in some way and somehow and i competed and i did it and i try my best and it sucks to fail it sucks to fail and it sucks to fail to know that maybe sometimes and i'm not gonna i spoke about it in the last one uh not that i was racially profiled no well i would say i think to a degree i was because i was like why like i'm actually better than him i actually beat him Mm -hmm. why am i still not getting the job so yeah sometimes i had that thought where i would sit down and talk to my best friend and i'll be like hey why did this happen? He was just like someday you'll understand it, and I was like last week. He's like now, do you understand it? I was like shit, yeah, I do. So, mm-hmm. but the thing is that I've failed so many times, and I think seeing the evolution of fitness because I started when Equinox and uh, Near Sports Club and Health and Racket were around, and that was ten years mm. ago. Fuck,
2: oh, Health and Racket, yeah, Health Holy and Racket. Shit. You like that used and, to be
1: and, like the yeah
0: the top three tier team, uh, uh, and you know, as a bodybuilder, I also had the steel gym in Chelsea and, um, Barry's bootcamp. First one that opened was in Chelsea, the very first one that opened. And I went for an interview and I met the owner. I don't remember his name, but very nice guy. But the first thing he asked me, is like, what's your playlist? I was like, well, I have heavy metal. I have this. I have, obviously I'm a bodybuilder. I am like, you know, I'm not going to give you, he's like, Do you have Britney Spears. Do you have Lady Gaga. I was like, what? So I never got the job. No, that is
1: not on my iTunes. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: was like, what the hell? So, but Barry's Bootcamp, and now what I see now is just, it's very, very crap. If you tell me that you're a trainer and you're not, like, it's hard out there, then you're not putting your effort. Because the opportunity in the fitness industry right now, it's so saturated that it's like, if you don't even have one client right now, then it's like you're not doing something right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I believe in that. And I think, you know, seeing you and, and, and seeing the fitness industry differently, because I, I never saw the fitness industry the way I am until I saw the Roan events and all that. And I started meeting other trainers where I'm like, holy shit.
1: Roan, Roan. And you know what? I'm glad you said that because I need to, I, I want to like say something about that. But and i think you know what like i'm um, we we'll, we'll talk about this offline i think it's important for us to have like a group discussion about because i don't really fuck with people like that like just that's, i'm around people all the time but like my inner circle is like like four people dude you know I have five. like and i'm I have five. and i'm cool like i'm so, like if you're listening to this and you know me you know that i'm like the most like engaging person or whatever but like Roan opened up because again going back to what you said like we all feel like we're competing against each other in these spaces right so there's always this I fucked with you but do I really fuck with you because you're so, in my head you're trying to get the same bread that I'm trying to get and I'm like no there's like millions of people in the city we'll all be fine right but these Roan events were like yeah like these are all dudes in the same space, running from you know every end of the of the cultural spectrum, even the age spectrum. Because we'd be at these events, and I'm like,
0: we're the youngest one. I'm gonna
1: have to, I'm gonna have to. <laughs> no, I'm far from the youngest one. I'm like, I'm gonna have to show these young bucks a little thing or two, right? And it, and it's, there's so much fun in that. But it's funny you brought up like failures, right? And how at the end of the day, like if you're not failing, you're not learning, right? If you're just going through life and, like, there's no bumps in the road, A, congratulations. B, what have you learned, right? And for me, like, that's the, at times, frustrating part about kind of this younger generation of of just people, but also, you know, these trainers in the fitness industry that, like, I feel come into the fitness industry with these, this expectation that, like, I'm, I'm entitled to this or I'm entitled to that. Like, I've actually before I even got hired, I, re, I just remembered this when you were talking, right? The first time I tried to get hired um, as a floor trainer, it was at Upper West Side. It was somewhere in the 90, 91st and 3rd. Used to teach a dope ass sports conditioning class there. right? But when I tried to, this was after the fact, but when right. I tried to first work there, I was interviewed by my, my guy Paul, who ended up also working at Harlem, where I eventually got hired. And after my interview, he was like, that was dope, but management wants someone gayer, right? I wasn't, uh, they wanted <laughs> someone to fit. He, yeah, this was literally. Did not what say, I was
2: told. Really? Did yeah, really this is
1: literally. So, and mind you, like Paul and I were cool. So like he he was honest with me like that's obviously not what he would have told like someone else right. um, but he was like yeah this is what this is what they told me and I was like for <laughs> me that could have been easily a situation where I was like you know what the fuck all this um, you know this this space isn't for me if I like have to now change who I am as a person to fit into this specific box right didn't do that continued on right and and it's funny thinking about you know mistakes and stuff happening i met at, at one of the sort of higher end boutique spaces now that shit all happened by mistake me being at fitting room wasn't something that like was this plan or was whatever at the time i was at the ymca the title that i had on the one ca was great my ability to fulfill that role was not Mm -hmm. um, because it's a nonprofit. like there's a lot more restrictions Um, and I was also kind of caught in the middle of this power struggle between my not even immediate supervisor we kind of had the same title but my director had left so she was vying for his position and was using me as sort of the well I'm going to jump on him to show that I'm management and I'm all this and I'm like I'm doing my job just because I'm not doing it the way you think I should be doing it. This is how, this is the only way that I can do my job because I wouldn't be in the office for half the day because I'm scouting. I'm trying to get people to come teach at this fucking (laughs) YMCA. Like I'm not going to be sitting in the office all day. That's not my role. And that wasn't what I, I wouldn't have taken on that role if that's what my role was going to be. Right. So we're going back and forth, we're going back and forth. And I'm at that time trying to figure out how to get out of there. Right. I decided to take a Kettlebell certification on their dime, which was great. I meet um, Diane Tumis, who's at Twerp, if I'm not mistaken, now, and she used yeah. to be an instructor at Fitting Room. So we get to talking. There was another uh, person there that knew me and knew my classes. So we all kind of made this little group at this uh, Kettlebell certification. And we're talking, and she brings up Eric. Come on, Eric, Salvador? He's where? I, th- I just saw his poster at New York Sports Club. They're still using posters of him at New York Sports Club. She's like, no, he's doing this own thing. I didn't even know I had Eric's number on my phone. I'm leaving the CERT. I literally remember crossing the West Side Highway, leaving the CERT at Chelsea Piers. I get a text from Eric. My dude, I started this thing when I was starting it. Like, I completely forgot about you. I apologize, but like, you'd be perfect for this. Came in, interviewed, demoed, got the job, Right all that shit was by mistake, right? If I don't take that cert that weekend, if I if I don't kind of open up and allow myself to be social at that cert, like all these things that like didn't need to happen and I end up in this really dope space. So like, you you gotta go through those, through those cause now I appreciate being in that space coming from the struggle at New York Sports Club and seeing how much of a shit show that was. For me, all of that forced me to be a better instructor, a better trainer, um, a better uh, exerciser, right? Because if your if your platform is changing, then you want to make sure that you're keeping up with that exposure, right? So it's not right. I'm not just in a space now, like even the social media thing. I then realized that like, oh shit, like I actually have to use my social media for work,
2: right. like.
1: My, my, not that my bonus was predicated on, on my social media presence, but my social media presence is, and that's what, what fitness is yours like is powerful right now factor. Yeah. Like it's a factor in, thank you for that. It's a factor when, when you're in the fitness industry now, right. And this, it also can have a negative impact because you have some people that are just using social media for the whole. I'm not gonna influencing. get a twenty influence because you know how I feel about it.
0: Um, get a twenty percent off. <laughs> that's
1: oh what I say. This it's a, it's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> oh, dude. Um, it's it's, yeah, man, it's like, crazy. Like you're not you're not you're not gonna come into the space and and immediately be successful. And and in my opinion, you shouldn't. Like this is, fitness is a a space where you you have to figure out your niche, right? You have to figure out your, your voice within that space and what you want to be. And because there are so many different options now, right? You gotta you gotta play around with those options and realize that you know what maybe I'm not built to be a Pilates instructor. Let me try some boot camp stuff, or maybe I'm not built for boot camp. That's taking up too much energy. Let me try some like meditation or some yoga or some animal like there's so many different spaces, right? You have to fuck up to figure out what that space is gonna be. Like even me going a fitting room. That wasn't an easy transition, right? Because I'm used to being the main person on the mic, right? now i have to share the mic and it's not just sharing the mic it's sharing the space it's sharing the energy it's sharing the engagement right and luckily i think because of my psychology background like i was able to kind of not reinvent but like tweak who i was as as an instructor to fit this space right and then you also because i'm not only teaching with one other instructor so now I have to be a slightly different instructor with slightly different people. You're always gonna get lows, but there are times where you're gonna get like good cop lows, depending on who I'm teaching with. There's gonna be bad cop lows, depending on who I'm teaching with, right? When I teach, I used to teach, I don't know when we're gonna teach again, but when I used to teach Friday mornings with Farouk, it was like the the energetic kid and the grumpy old man, right? And that was our vibe, right? when I started teaching Thursday nights with um, Pierre, who I used to teach with Dory. So me and Dory's dynamic is you've met Dory. Like we're very like, we're right, both yeah, pretty much yeah, the same yeah. person. So we're just going back and forth. Pierre came in, he's a younger dude. He's a, yeah, you know, dandy <laughs> kind of dude, which I love him for, but I changed my entire playlist knowing that I was teaching with him because I knew that if I played this song, if I played that song, He's going to feel comfortable. He's going to get into his comfort zone, right? Yeah. And we're good, right? And those are like, when we're talking about being in the fitness industry, like, it's a lot more than what you see in those 50 minutes, right? It's, it's the music that we're playing. It's the programming. It's the understanding that, understanding how to read the room. There are times where I've switched up my playlist mid-class, because I'm like, you know what? I've this is not hitting yeah, this is not hitting the way I wanted it to. Let me switch this. up. You can right? sense it and, though.
0: You can say you gotta, you gotta know how to sense it. it, it yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, that's when you know your coaching skills are pretty up there. When you, when you can sense the room and know, okay, this is. And also
1: understanding <laughs> like what, what music is going to, what music is going to elicit, <coughs> elicit the response that I'm looking for, right? If I'm doing like a strength block, I'm not gonna play like bombs over Baghdad because I want you to go slow, right? Right. I'm not gonna play some like if I'm trying to have you go slow. But then if we're doing the end of class, then I know that oh, we're we're all slowing down, we're all have our hands on our we still got two minutes left. All right, let's put on some bombs over Baghdad and get that energy back up. So understanding little stuff like that that I think not enough people outside of the fitness industry understand the amount of work that goes into looking at a program. And literally, I remember when, when I first started training at New York Sports Club and I started doing my sports conditioning classes, dude, and I had to find these old notebooks. I would literally have my program written and have a song for each part of my program or two to three songs, depending on how long it was, right next to my list of movements. You are taking it, was,
0: it you're taking it to a whole nother level. I mean, I I do that. I I I uh, my 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 playlist has a purpose to mood change throughout the entire workout, and um mm-hmm. and and one of the main reasons why people's like I really like your playlist is because it's not just the music. It's because it's like you know the beat. You know what speed you're supposed to be going at. That I, it's, I'm, a vibe I'm, it it's a vibe that creates that you go with the flow, right? You gotta be able to go with the flow of the music. I use it when I'm working out. Like, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, I know I'm gonna lift heavy, I'm not gonna put like freaking a soft music, mm-hmm. but I'll put something that is gonna inspire me, that's gonna make me lift that weight. That's gonna, Same, you know, and, and I, I drive myself with music that are more, there's no lyrics in it, because it's just more powerful for me, it works for me. But understanding the psychology behind music, and I never really asked that to any other coach or anything like that. I've, I developed it on my own. Um, and, and it's funny that you saying it that way. I used to do, like, I used to drive myself. I wouldn't go to the, to the point that I was like, this music is for this, but I'll know what music for a finisher. I'll know, like, what music mm-hmm. that is going to be for this. And, and literally, I already knew to the point that it was organically, it would just happen. But mm-hmm. a lot of coaches, you didn't see that. You didn't see that. And I take in, hundreds of classes now and i can tell you right now i was like yeah you're a good coach but the playlist and even though it is a very little thing
2: it's
1: for a lot it's of people so It's big, very
0: powerful though. man
1: it's so big man and i mean me personally like i i can't i don't function well without music like oh, i 100%. Have, one two three i have like four different variations of headphones i have these i have the in-ear ones i even have the bose glasses which are amazing
2: really Uh, oh yeah they're
1: like these glasses that like have the speakers right here so it goes directly love them love them to death right because for me like music plays such a big part in my life in general so my appreciation for music is much higher and the impact that it has on me emotionally is much higher. I remember when I demoed for fitting room, right? Cause at the time I'm like, I want to play some ratchet stuff, but I don't want to get in trouble if they're like, we don't, we don't want to hear that language or whatever. So I played all instrumentals. Cause again, I have a ton of instrumentals and after my demo, somebody was like, why were you playing instrumentals? I was like, uh-huh, cause I didn't want it to be like an issue. if like certain lyrics were on. And they were like, nah, like play what you want. Like, yes, don't be egregious and, like, have it be, like... F this, N-word,
0: F that, fuck F N-word, this, and this, yeah. And, yeah like feel <laughs> like, oh, it's inspirational. Like,
2: you know, I
1: have to have some edited Little Wayne songs, you know, because see he can go to some weird places sometimes. But it's it's always interesting to me, like, when, when I'm in a fitness space and the music doesn't match the vibe that you're trying to create. I've actually had uh, some CrossFitters who... I used to teach certain block of classes um, and that got switched. And whenever I see them, they're like, uh, when are you going to start teaching these blocks again? And it was, again, because of... Uh, yes, part of it is because they like me as a person. They like how I engage. But it's also That's like... A bonus, though,
0: that they like one your music, of the big, too.
1: One of the big things that they would say is, we love your music, yeah. right? And I, like, I don't think people understand. Like, yeah, that was a... a very early on in my career like being that specific was was overkill no no not overkill i think it it it's what i needed to do to feel comfortable with music it was the way your that I am. routine,
0: dude like yeah. don't ever like no if people see like they're they're like listen this is what makes me satisfied what i want to do and this i want to direct if it's not affecting you no it's not overkill like i actually respect things like that because that's part of who you have become
1: Mm-hmm. So, like, but you know, know the funny thing is <laughs> I would teach like the sports conditioning classes and I I was big on like I would get like a sample of uh like a dope hip-hop song right I would get the sample play the sample first and then play the actual song and I have like whole playlist like that right because you hear the sample and you're like oh this is about to be then you're like wait what the fuck is this and then the song hits right and it would literally be and Chris Allen if you're hearing this love you bruh my boy Chris Allen would take class and he'd be the one who'd like catch what I was doing, right? And literally, we'd be like in the middle of some sprints and he'd stop and be like... And just give me that head nod. and literally the half an hour it took for me to create that list was for Dude. that head nod. like was for that acknowledgement of the amount of time and effort that I put into curating this experience, which is what a good instructor does. Like, it's not just the workout it's not just the words that you're using it's not just the music choices it's that entire 50 minutes or 30 minutes of of an experience and if you're not leaving that space feeling like you just had an experience you're not going to pay 30 40 50 dollars to be in that space again
2: yeah and you
0: know what i actually i was going to say so i don't know if you can read that so I, i usually put my affirmation words there so it says there, lead without title. So I'm huge on that. Nice. Um, and, and, and the reason I, I say that to a lot of people is because, I mean, piggybacking to everything that you have said, like in things like, oh, you know, I needed to fuck up in a lot of things and all that. And a and, uh, quick story. My grandfather used to tell me, is like, uh, you, you never fail. You learn. And exactly. um you know obviously when when I, when I was 10 years old when he told me that i was still crying i was like "Fuck that i'm still failing I like, I'm he's like no but, you gotta learn <laughs> but um getting uh, and my grandfather to me till this day is like i think uh, the pillar compared uh, with my grandmother of the person i have become because of that the mentality that, that i've created
1: with my grandmother
0: and um and, and, and having that, that root and that kind of like seed implemented into you so young, I have failed over and over and over and over and over that I am a sore loser. I really do hate losing. Mm. But when I was in the fitness industry, it was becoming a norm to fail. Uh, I'm not a seller. So like when I was in New York Sports Club, when I first started New York Sports Club, again, my purpose there was... Okay, I want a free membership. I don't have to pay for membership. And maybe I'll get like one client or two. I wasn't even thinking. And I was a trainer there for two years. True story. No certification. No certification. Fair.
2: Fair. And,
0: and, my, my, and at that, that, that time, um, I, I'm not going to say his name, but he, like my manager there was the coolest guy. He was like, listen, he's like, the first time I had a client, he's like, he's, he's like listen, you don't have a certification. but I'll give you this opportunity. You fuck up, you're done. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God. So I can't fuck he, up. Allowed me, he allowed me to have that first client. And then from there, I walked when I left New York Sports, I had like 20, 22 clients. And all mm-hmm. of them I had no certification with. And uh, the thing is that what I'm saying with that is I was introduced in the fitness industry by force. I was becoming a father and I was like, I need to make some money. I need some you know, I'm a bartender and the similarity between a bartender and a fitness instructor is one thing that you said in the beginning of the podcast is that you have to be all over the place. You can't change your, you can't be just that one person for, for Mm -hmm. everybody. And, and I had that trade with bartending because I will be talking about like, oh yeah, the Yankees are so cool. I will walk to the other side of the, oh yeah, the Mets are also cool. And then you're like, (laughs) you know, but people will like you that because people like you know adapt to that. So I, I I use that towards fitness industry, and when I first started working in the I was very afraid of the fitness industry. I was very afraid hmm. because I felt like I was not good enough. I felt like it where like there were so many other trainers that were better than me. I didn't have a certification, hmm. so like my my personal view of myself was not. Positive. I didn't see myself as a great coach, and compared to what I what I what I know now, uh, mm. I can still say that I'm not a great coach. But that's because that's what pushes me to become a better coach. Mm. Um, but piggybacking on the end towards like the music and all that, um, I never knew how to do all that stuff. So like, I didn't know how to play around. I'm I'm a, I'm a man of uh, affirmations. So like, words are very powerful to me very, very powerful. And, you know, I use my music with affirmations, like good music that like you can actually be working out and listen to the lyrics. It's like, it kicks into you too, as well, you know? Um, but what I wanted to say with you, uh, it is funny how you saw it in terms of like things had to happen in order for you to be like in fit in room and everything. Like, um, it's funny because it, it was the same way for me but the opportunities were not, uh, they were not that like, I just, I saw plenty of opportunities. I just never took them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and not by choice it's just because I just was afraid. I was afraid of my actions. I was afraid that I was going to fail. And I was mm-hmm. afraid that I was going to disappoint that person and huge difference in terms of that. But I think what you have built yourself to you, are, I, I mean, I think you're one of the smartest, uh, especially like the background, like listening to you, the, 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 you can, you can sense, you know, a good head over your shoulders when you speak. And it's, Thank you. it's, but it's, it's, it's good to hear stuff like that in terms of that. And even though like people tell me that and I'm like, nah, nah, I'm not that good. <laughs> I won't. I yeah, be exactly. <laughs> but you know what, it's, it's, it's just, it's such a, it's, it's so good for me to, um, even though I, I've joined the fitness community with Roan and other communities, I've seen the differences in liking communities. Um, I still, I still um, remember what I told you in the beginning, you know, I was, I was the lightest one in my group all the time, all the time, till this day, I still am. Mm-hmm. And that's my group of people. And that's where I feel comfortable with. That doesn't mean that, you know, and I'm far from liking hip hop. I'm not saying I'm not a big fan of hip hop. I love hip hop, but I'm saying like, it's, it's the environment that I grew up with. It's the environment that I feel comfortable with. And I love that. And I'm very proud of it. And, um, you know, something that I will guide my kids to do that. And they are blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm like, to the point, like, (laughs) people were looking at me like, is that your kid? I was like, yeah, that's my kid. But <laughs> I'm like, this is my son. That's uh, mine. That's mine. That, that, that's mine. I, I have the proof. Unfortunately, I had to go for the proof too. I was uh, thinking too. But dude, um, it's just amazing to hear. And now with all this COVID and everything, what do you, um, what, how, you know, we're, we're going to finish it out with this one, but like, how have you handle now the fitness you still with fitting room right you still are you still yeah
1: yeah yeah i i luckily um because they 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 had to make you know as the entire fitness industry um has had to they had to make some difficult decisions um and i was one of the the i want to say six or seven um instructors that were kept on when we switched to the live version so so still working, have my live classes um on the platform during the week. Um so definitely like kinda lucked out um with there. Um and just I think, you know, as as the rest of New York is is doing, we're just trying to figure out like when we can get back in studio. And you know what I what I really appreciate about City Room is that like we we had a plan even before we shut down. Like we were already doing a bunch of things that were like we were doing half the classes um so that people had enough space in between them we were weren't having people share equipment like we were on top of it before we shut down then we shut down and i want to say for the last like month and a half or so every two weeks we're on a call figuring out like what's the best strategy for opening up and we already have like a plan for that um so for for the most part um, again very lucky to be in a space that was able to pivot um, into this very different kind of of fitness dynamic um relatively well for me it's been it's been an interesting process because i I don't like necessarily being behind the camera even though i'm Starting to get used to it a little bit more like even with my own like videos that I've been um, you know more like BLM focused stuff
2: you're kind of natural anyway you're like you have that and I uh, wouldn't go
1: I wouldn't did I wouldn't it go take that you
2: far.
1: it's still it's still it's still something that I'm getting um, accustomed to with my level of comfort around it but just adjusting to to being at home more and like my significant other is also a fitness instructor so like figuring out like, all right, who's got the main space, you know, because like our living room is perfectly set up for for what we need. But if like we're both teaching a class and it's like, all right, who's got the back room, who's got the main room? So like coordinating um, around that. But I mean, outside of that, like I've I've been okay. like outside of all the other stuff that's happening in the world, like I think as far as the because and thanks. Look, who knew that Zoom would be the lifesaver? that it is, right, before before COVID hit, I still get to engage, right, because my classes are on Zoom, so I'm still interacting. I'm still, like, all the, the the positive parts of, like, engagement that you would normally get in a fitting room class. Like, we can still kind of do that through Zoom. Like, I'll literally, you know, stuff that we used to do on the whiteboard. I actually think I have one. Hold on.
2: Well, you do yeah, have a whiteboard.
1: Example. Like if it's someone's birthday, like I'll make a little sign for them or whatever, right? Like that's awesome, though, to still dude. Keep it, you know. trying to still keep it as as normal as possible, you know. And also accepting that. And you said this early on. Fitness is never going to be the same. Yeah. It's it, it just there's no way for it. Change is inevitable. Yeah, some of the spaces that you you used to go to, unfortunately, may not make it. You know, past this three month hiatus. I actually on, right? heard
0: about a couple of ones. I'm not going to mention it, but I I yeah,
1: heard, it and I'm like, wow. Yeah, there's a couple of spaces that just this, and again, like I I still don't know how we figured it out as quickly as we did. Like, we were one of the first spaces to pivot to live, and I still don't know how that worked, right? But a lot of those spaces aren't gonna, gonna be there anymore. Live is not going anywhere, right? Because we're now in a space where a lot of people are realizing, right? And this was something that was kind of a joke when COVID started, right? We're realizing that we don't have to be outside to work, right, the whole, now we're realizing what meetings could have been in email. That's real now because it's like I could do all this stuff from home. Why am I going outside? People have put hundreds if not thousands of dollars into their home gym spaces now because we have no idea when this is going to be over. So a lot of people are going to be like, well, I can get this live. I already have the equipment. Why am I going to a studio? That's going to impact those numbers as well. Yeah,
0: For sure. I think um, I transitioned into uh, online training for – quite some time now like a year or so and um this is obviously just me though the way I would think I already knew live was going to be good regardless that that's the direction I was going to go um and to be completely honest when the gym shut down and everything I was not phased by it I was mentally prepared already I already did my uh uh I already had experience behind it, so all I needed to do is just like, the thing is that all my clients hated training online and hated training virtually before COVID. When this happened, I had a conversation with one of my clients that was probably not a fan. Never, she never wanted to train with me uh, virtually, and she lives far, and every time I see her, I would train her, but that will be it. And she's like, nope, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. She maxed out in all her weights. She maxed out in all her exercises after three months of training mm-hmm. with her. And my question was like, so you still don't want to train online? And she was like, no, actually, I can't believe I, she, this is between, I mean, she fired her trainer. Like, she's like, i never, like, mm-hmm. I had my own trainer that I would see him live and I just trained with you for three months and I'm actually lifting double the weight that I was training with my trainer there. So I'm letting him go. And the thing is that is you got to be really good and piggybacking and w- also in the fact that you say that you are introverted, you will not believe this, but I am very introvert and very shy person too. Uh, and, but when it comes down to the camera, being in front of the camera, it's just, I don't know. It's just a click. It's just like a switch mm-hmm. that it's just like people like tell me I'm natural and I'm like, no, I'm just being myself. Cause you got to mm-hmm. be yourself. And sometimes you're going to fuck up when you're being yourself, but it's like, People are gonna like you because of that. If you faking it's, it, it's done.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. Like, so for me, my my sarcasm, right? People think that that's like this, and it is part of my personality. Let me not take that away. People think that it, that's a big part of my personality. That's my defense mechanism, right? When I'm uncomfortable in social settings, I'll like start joking and I'll be sarcastic. Yeah. And Luckily, like it works and like it resonates with people, but like that has always been my defense mechanism because I'm always so anxious when I'm in in social settings. People are like, Oh, you're so like gregarious. And I I was like, You have no idea. idea, That was literally all like my anxiety coming out in that moment. And it just happened to like resonate with whoever I was talking to. You know what it is? is, I definitely feel your place.
0: Smiling is a comfort zone for me if you're not smiling that's when I'm uncomfortable so it's, that's why I make jokes that's why I make things like that because it's like I feel like a comedy or having a sense of humor breaks uh breaks personality sometimes or that 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 wall that you have uh mm-hmm. and if you if I can't break you by cracking up uh, a joke or something like that I get uncomfortable and then mm-hmm. I don't know how to react to it. And I had clients like that, that I'll say like, Oh yeah, that was, that was good. But you, you know, like you can go better and be like, what do you mean? I am like, okay, so you're not in a joking mode right now. So I, <laughs> I got to come up with something else. And I'm like, Let you me know, get you a become bit more serious. Though. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no, actually I meant, the, the, that was a good job. All right. Next, next set. But, um, well, oh, man, we can, we can, we can go on with all the conversation in here. And I know that you have to get ready to teach and all that one thing that i that i drive through everybody and i'm gonna see next one i'm gonna have the fitting room extra like including matt forzak because that's my that's my boy right there he he was uh yeah, in my matt season forzak. one and uh we talk a lot because he's the one and i will call him out he would steal some of my songs on my plays, like yo bro this is a good music and every time i'm like yep
2: yep yep
0: um but yeah in terms of music that's how we became friends nice. because of music um but Every single guest that is their first time in my podcast, mm-hmm. I ask them one question. And uh, usually I ask them in the beginning, like before the recording, but one word that defines you, that, be- that creates your character and why?
1: Hmm. Um, one word.
2: And it... Um.
1: And- and it's funny, like, as a psychologist, I'm, like, trying to think of all these other whatever. And But literally, I'm going with the first word that popped into my head when you asked that, and that was resilient.
0: Resilient?
1: Resilient, yeah. I think, you know, growing up in the Bronx, you know, in the 80s, remembering my mother and my stepfather telling me that I was either going to get locked up or... um you know, worse than that because of, like, the group of friends that I grew um, up around with, um, hearing all these narratives about, like, making it to 21, you know, and, like, that being, like, this big hallmark at the time for for people that look like me and, like, all my friends being locked up and all this other stuff that, like, was happening in my childhood, like, not having a father figure for a really significant amount of time in my childhood, but... They were wanting to have kids and like having two relatively well adjusted, intelligent human beings that I'm responsible for. Um, there have been a lot of things that I think people are realizing now, right, with a lot of the stuff that's coming out of BLM that like me and people that look like me have had to deal with in, in this trajectory that we call life, right? the fact that I'm still here, the fact that I'm still trying to create a positive space for not just myself, but for others, the fact that, you know, even though, you know, I'm divorced, like, I still play a very significant role in, in my son's lives. Um, I I started to go to therapy many years ago because I realized that there were a lot of things that I that I wasn't dealing with from, like, my childhood and all these experiences. So all that to say, like, there's a lot of different points in my life where I could have given up, I could have kind of gone with whatever role I felt like society had ascribed for me and and in each one of those situations for whatever reason I was like no. Like I'm not I'm not going to let things that that society has dictated I should be doing impact who I am as a person, how I see myself, how I see myself within that space. So for me, resilient would definitely be the 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 word that i would use because there have been so many times in my life where things have happened that i could have just shut down and stopped and like kind of almost left my my progress and my development stay there but i was like no like continue to push continue to engage like now you know starting to to focus a little bit more on diversity and inclusion stuff which i have for the last couple of years like and just figuring out new spaces to to engage and and be a part of um so yeah i would i would say resilient is, is the word that kind of pops into mind
0: um did you ever meet that by the way no you never no, met no.
1: that no, all I have from my dad is his name on my birth certificate or father, I' don't know you can call him that. Um, and and it's, it's interesting and I know we're, we're trying to wrap up but I just wanna talk about it real quickly. Like, You know, when we're talking about BLM stuff and all these black and brown issues, like a lot of that is, is, is much more layered than we realize. Like my mother has never spoken to me about my, my father. Never. Every bit of information that I got about my father, I got from my grandmother. Hmm. Um, literally all my grandmother's deathbed. And I re- I'm, I'm fuzzy with a lot of my memories from, from my childhood and from early on. But I remember distinctly like sitting in bed with her in the hospital. Her eyes were jaundiced. She has a the, the breathing tube. And my mother had left like two days before because we knew that she was sick. Um, my mother was there for like seven days. I stayed for like 10 and literally she told me the, the whole story behind, like how they met and, and what that dynamic was and everything that happened. And I've, I've recently, actually, I want to say in the last three, four years, I've asked my mother about it and she won't really talk to me about it. So it's one of those things that it's like, when I had my first son I'm like, holy shit. What am I, what am I going to do with this kid? Like, I don't really have a template for this. And I think for me, a combination of my degrees in developmental psychology, so I have like all this like, psychological information, but I'm like, what about all the other stuff? Like, what about the, the sort of practical, tangible stuff? And for me, it's always been the
0: feeling the feeling, I, I, the feeling. I,
1: I almost am living vicariously through my sons like i'm i'm reliving my childhood vicariously through my sons because i'm trying to be the father for them that i wish i would have had um and so far that's worked um but yeah never never met him um just just know his name um and I've, it's funny i've had this conversation with multiple people you know like well do you want to like try and find them and i there's a part of me that does and there's a part of me that that at this point it's like I don't I don't know that I do I don't know that that I want to I don't know there's a part of me that just like a moment has passed um and I'm not I'm not hugely engaged with my family um and that's a you know that's a whole nother kind of layer of of stuff but like like i'm the type of person that like if i don't speak to my family for a while i'm not like negatively impacted by it and i know that may sound fucked up but like i'll speak to my mom maybe like five six times a year um you know my sister my youngest sister and i have started to, to communicate a lot more but my other sister like we speak a couple of times a year so yeah, it's been, it's been a very interesting kind of family dynamic with me. But yeah, never spoke to never spoke to him, never met him at all.
0: That's it's uh yeah, to to just piggyback and then yeah, we have like about four minutes. Um, that is not funny what I'm saying, because sometimes when I say it's funny, it's it's not. Um, but I know what you mean. I I met my dad when I was fourteen. The dynamic mm-hmm. that I have with my with my family is not We have so much in common. The only difference is that you never met your dad. I was not with the intention of meeting my dad until... uh, He's the reason why I'm in the United States, actually. Like, he he was in New York, and I came here to meet him for the first time. But it's I'm glad to hear someone say, it's like my dynamic with my family is not like... I know it sounds fucked up, but it's not as close. It doesn't sound fucked up. Sometimes sometimes it just is, is you can't force a relationship, especially with your family, mm. you know? Uh,
1: you and
2: so many people that. try to force those. Yeah. You
0: can't, you can't force, there's, there's an, a cultural mindset behind it. If you're born and raised within family setting, you're going to be adapted. You're going to have that habit of being close with your family. If you don't, it is so hard to have that. I grew up with my grandfather, my grandmother. That was the dynamic I had with my family. That was the only connection I had between my dad's family and my mom's family. They were the two connections. Once I lost mm. them, I was like, like Holy I shit, lost dude. the two. I lost the two connections to you. And don't I? I have my aunt. She she's the mother. She she she's. I call her mom because she has no, no kids, but she's. She's like, like, I love my family. Don't get me wrong, uh-huh. but I don't, I don't call them every day. I'm like, Hey, how you doing? How's it? No, I'll call them like, you know, once a month and be like, Hey, I'm okay. I'm alive. making money. I'll uh-huh. talk to you later. But then I had people that come in and were like, Oh, you should be closer to your family. It's like, I don't, I, and sometimes I get jealous because I know people that are very close to their family. They're like, I wish I could have that feeling.
2: Same, but dude. then I just feel like same. I force
0: it, and you know, and sometimes that will be my initiation to call my aunt and be like, hey, how you doing? And then I just feel awkward. And I'm like, no, I feel like I'm forcing this shit, and it's not organic. And yeah, my lady's I'm the like,
1: same. It's she it's has so like crazy. This great relationship with her family, and I'm like, this is nice. Yeah,
0: it's nice because you're like, oh man, and then and then I really get angry actually when someone says, oh, I don't have, I don't, I hate my family. Oh, I hate this, I oh, that. I was like, bro. I wish I could have like what you have right now. Like, I don't even have that. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and me growing up with like my, my two kids, I kind have of two boys. Um, I also too feel the same way of when I grew up without a dad, but I had a father figure, which was my grandfather. And, but at the same time, he was still technically not my dad. And it was just like having that interaction with my kids is a little bit different too, because they live in Santa now I'm separated. Absolutely. So it's, it's a, it's a huge dynamic. And that's why too, when you were telling your story, I was like, wow, it's, pretty much in part how i feel and i don't feel guilty by saying that the relationship that i have with my family is not that it's fucked up it's just that it just doesn't correlate like that and they see it mm-hmm. differently you know they don't they don't believe like they didn't they were not agreeable with me when i said i'm gonna be a coach and i'm gonna be this they were like no you know like you can't do this you get you gotta be better than this i was like so you telling me being a coach is not better at what i want to do like there's a difference of family or there's a difference like a family blood and there's a difference of like family. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're very close with everything. They're very close family and everything. But I was introduced in their family while I was 14 years old. So I already had a mind of my own. So if you just want to introduce me into that and be like, oh yeah, just you're part of the family. Nah, you, you you can't just bring a dog into your house and be like, yeah, you're welcome to stay here. No, the dog is going to be
1: weirded out. It's like, no, nah, mm-hmm. I think I want to go.
0: So, again, how crazy that is this? It
1: <laughs> it's, it's funny because the same thing as I'm listening to you, like, really quickly, because I know we're trying to wrap up. Like, when you brought up your grandparents, when my grandmother got sick, my mother and I weren't talking. My mother and I hadn't been talking for a while. Like, I would literally go to my mother's house to visit my younger sister. And I would talk to her outside of the house. I wouldn't even go into the house. Like, that's That's kind of where we were at the time, right? Then my grandmother passed, and we were forced to both go to to Puerto Rico for a couple of days together. And that's kind of how things started to slowly, you know, transition. And then when you brought up, like, being introduced to another situation, like, my stepdad became a serious part of, of the dynamic when I was around 11 11 or 12. 12 was when my mom got pregnant with the youngest of my sisters. And even then, like, it wasn't like that dynamic was great initially. Because again, I'm 11, 12. I'm trying to figure out like manhood and all this other stuff. Then this random ass dude, you know, I love my stepfather's death like now. But like then, it was kind of this weird dynamic and this weird back and forth, you know, um, for a while that, you know, initially kind of negatively impacted that dynamic and now luckily you know he's been like an amazing resource and ally for me as I've gotten older but yeah it's just funny listening to like yeah, it's, your it's crazy. story and like I'm like shit like and, and it's interesting like how many how many of us that are in in this space right in this fitness or wellness space like because this is not the first time I've had this moment where I'm like Talking to somebody else in the fitness industry, I'm like yo, it's the same. We're the same fucking person. Like, how did this? How did this happen, right? And these experiences, yes, they're gonna look slightly different, but like, I think all these experiences, what you what you see get created from those experiences, are going back to my word, like that resilience. Resilience. Like, yeah. Think about all the stuff that you've spoken about, and like the hurdles, and like the rejections, and like the the pro you know the the ups and downs of your experience you could have given up a long time ago as well so like the same words that i'm using for myself i would absolutely use for you right yeah and that's what's so dope about
0: we, we're a different time. breed of of fitness in uh, uh entrepreneurs. oh absolutely we we there, there's breeds out there in the fitness industry and there's levels you know. to this shit oh yeah there's it's not everybody's just on the same level of coaching no like you 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 are recognized you create a character and it's again our breed is is we, we are we we are okay failing
2: yeah. like
0: and yeah. and and that's really like what said, it comes not if I'm not failing
1: to. I'm not learning
0: yeah so um hold on i just spilled wood on my computer no <laughs> um, with that said uh, what i did wanted to say is thank you for coming to my podcast and allow me to uh be able to uh c- kind of like sit down and have a conversation with you mm-hmm. and um oh my god sorry i'm like i'm no hoping. It is. um so yeah so thank you so much my man and we you. th- you're definitely going to be back again. Uh we're going to do a Q&A to. towards uh towards the end of the the, the season and um if you guys want to ask any questions uh, to him. You can find him at, uh, on Instagram at...
1: B-A-B-A-L-O-S. Baba Los.
0: Baba Los. Check him out. Uh, watch his videos. Um, really kind of like just watch the messages he gives. I think it's, it's an amazing. I've been watching them. Um, I
2: appreciate that, man.
0: And uh, yeah, so any other questions, if you guys have, you can also email me at UnleashFit at com. Uh, obviously, or you can just slide in his DMs too. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that, but uh, be cautious <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we are done here. And
2: thank, thank you, you so much,
0: my man. Yeah, it's been amazing, amazing. And thank you for taking your time in the morning to do no this.
2: No man. appreciate it. Um,
0: and thank you very much, you beautiful
2: creatures. And I will see you next episode.